Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. This week, I'm here to share with you my conversation with La Fonda. This record was, I literally just felt like a funnel to something that just, it just chose me. It had had to go through me. I just uh, let it happen. And I really felt that. And the only credit I can take is that I said yes for it to come through me, that's it. La Fonda grew up in the suburbs of Paris. Parts of her practice include production, directing and songwriting. La Fonda's new release, The Fifth Season, is out now. Elemental, emotional and uncannily fitting for the moment in time we're living through right now, this record explores science fiction, friendship, collaboration and cinematic storytelling. I hope you'll enjoy hearing these incredibly insightful words from La Fonda as a companion to your listening experience of the LP. We spoke about world building, communicating profound joy through music and songwriting in French for the first time. La Fonda, thank you for joining me. Um, we're going to spend some time getting to know you this afternoon, but if you don't mind, I would love it if you would take us all the way back and share with us your earliest memory connected to sound or music. Mm. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, actually, I've, I've, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh kind of like therapy that you know the filmmaker Khodorovsky put um he kind of kind of created this therapy that where you basically go back to uh the womb so i would say and i've i've um i would say i would say the first memory is the first music i heard when i was in before i was born which was um, Stevie Wonder. I just have, that's probably the earliest memory. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's like a, it's a pretty incredible method where you go back to like there and then through like the birth and stuff. So you get to access some um, really early memories. But um, yeah, Stevie Wonder is the first sound that I remember. Mm. How recently did you try that therapy? Um, maybe like five, six years ago. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, then there was kind of a blank, and then I was quite obsessed with like dance music when I was a kid, um, like uh, Euro dance, um, mm. and I. Just rem- I remember, I remember loving 
things that sounded really heavy and dirty and um I loved a good beat. <laughs> mm. How did you get your hands on that Euro dance music? Um I just I, it was like a birthday gift when I was like I don't remember but um it was a gift. It was a tape. Um and it was like one of those uh you know uh best of <laughs> whatever mm. year it was. Um and yeah uh, it was really fast. I remember it being really fast. I remember it that there was singing at the same time that there was dancing. Um, and I remember that the sound were really, I don't know, kind of dirty. <laughs> mm. um, as in like not that clean or something and uh, heavy. And there's a lot of bass and... Yeah, I was quite obsessed with. I think that that was the this tape was kind of like the first emotions that I had. And I was just um, and it was very related. It was related to dance more than it was related to. I don't know, like an emotional. I mean, dance is emotional, but I just mean like it wasn't like necessarily. Um, yeah, it was through dance. And outside of listening to that compilation what did you like to spend your time doing as a child mm. um i loved spending time well I, I i i wanted to be a butcher when i was a child um okay so i was really obsessed with cutting stuff and knives um and i also was quite obsessed with putting on shows I have to say I I um I was obsessed with like role playing and and being like uh, the metteur en scène of like a theater play that we would come up with I don't know it was a, it was always related to performance somehow it was cutting meat and performance the, these were like the two <laughs> obsessions or a combination yeah I know right <laughs> And who did you um, persuade to be in your audience for your performances? Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't really have much choice, to be honest. I was just the, whoever whoever was around, mostly parents and neighbors and uh, the little brothers and sisters of friends who were literally too little to escape the show. <laughs> That's a, a good tactic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so moving into... Um, kind of being a teenager mm. what were the kind of big musical and also just generally sonic influences on your teenage years mm. Michael Jackson obviously I was a grunge girl I mean I was listening to all that stuff I was obsessed with Nirvana um, what else I, I I feel like in my teenage years, you know, I, I, my music, my music, my relationship to music is quite strange. I think I, I started having um, a relationship to like digging and finding siblings uh, much, much, much later in life. When I was mm. a teenager, I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have like any kind of like 
role model that was like my age or a little bit older like the, to kind of like have an entry door really to like cool stuff I have my cousin in a way that's kind of how I got into like grunge as well and mm. but um it was I was I was actually in musical school and I was I was listening to classical music through all my I wasn't I don't know I was never really fully like current or something mm. <laughs> I was I was just listening to classical music because that was what I was playing and that's kind of what I was obsessing with and that's the school I was going to so I was kind of like a digger in the classical world and like I I and then the rest of it was kind of like radio music I was in like um and the radio was well it depends on which radio but I was I was listening to a lot of like yeah sad white girl 90s music a lot of like Alanis Morissette a lot of you know that kind of stuff and then a lot of grunge um and yeah I I, I didn't I didn't feel like I don't know I didn't feel connected in in music in the sense that I feel like sometimes when you're a teenager it's also a, a way for you to find relatable people that experience relatable stuff I don't I, that, that was not really my experience that came in my life much later I feel like in the teenagers it was quite an isolated time for me and I was just being uh, out of place and out of time for the most part mm. were you in Paris as a teenager I was in the suburbs yeah okay and um I'm just curious to know if there's any particular sounds or like city sounds that stand out in your memory around that period um no I can't really think of anything during teenage years but I I I, I um I lived in Iran with my mom at some point um when I was a child and I and it was during the war and I have memories of that I have memories of um sirens and stuff I don't have much, much, you know, memories that that can, that I carry away and uh, that are anxious, really, because I was I was too little. But I definitely remember sounds, and I feel like recently someone kind of pointed out that my music that it it, it that it was like kind of battlefield <laughs> music, whether mm. it's. Um, people preparing for the battlefield or people being on a battlefield or people you know um stepping out of a battlefield that that, that the music was good that my music was kind of um, remind reminded them of that or or took them there and I think maybe there's something there with like early memory sounds it's not that's not it that's not the only answer but it's also mm. one thing one piece of the puzzle for sure how did that observation about your music make you feel like did you feel like that resonated yeah I do I mean I I, I <laughs> um I I don't promote war but I definitely feel like battle the, the battlefield is like a feeling um mm. that you can you know be a bit not, not necessarily literal about um and uh 
fighting or overcoming or gathering or gathering in numbers mm. against a power that you want to defeat all that stuff is yeah it's it's um it's it, it's right mm. <laughs> it's galvanizing yeah exactly mm-hmm. like the, the the idea of like the town crier is is really often in my mind you know Uh, whether it's like on an individual level with a friend that you know you could be the town crier for a friend but you could also be the town crier for you know bigger bigger scales and bigger Mm. bigger groups but i i feel like that there is some there is like an intention in my music to to do that well one of the reasons i wanted to know about um you know how you kind of memorize and store sound not just music but um kind of like the sound of the world um was because many many years ago like five years ago um I used to have a radio show on a station in London called represent and um you actually came on the show Mm. and you curated a little mixtape um Mm. where you had to pick like songs under certain topics Mm -hmm. and you shared with me this recording of insects humming Mm. yeah um so I just wanted to know if you'd maybe be up for describing your relationship to sound and capturing sound and sort of detecting beauty or something to connect to in sonics. Mm. Um, I just, I feel like wherever I am making music, I'm also a guest of the space, you know? And I think that, and I'm the guest of other species that have been that we that are not necessarily visible or that we don't necessarily think of but that are around us and and have been around for usually much longer than we have so it's it's I think when I make music I just I just try to pay attention to the others and the fact that um, I think you know it's something that's easier to remember when we're in nature, but it's all it's a bit harder and it's harder to it's harder to to be humble in a city um and it's harder to remember that we're guests and I think that my maybe the relationship with collecting the sounds um is also a moment of humility where you just pay attention in that moment also in in a moment where you're about to say something or create something or communicate something through music it's um a way to yeah just remind myself and maybe remind others of the scale of things Mm -hmm. and where we where we sit as humans so that's that's usually how I think about the sound ar- around me. It's just a moment where you pay attention. You pause and you pay attention and you pay homage also in some way or respect um, to the, the things around. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about how you make music. Mm. Um, what was your first experience of production software like? Oh, hell. <laughs> hell on earth um but you know i i i thought i couldn't do it you know 
I, I, I thought I couldn't do it. And um, I had this idea in, in my mind. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't really grow up with examples. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, uh, <laughs> I think representation is not uh, the end goal, but I, that's also where it, 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 but it's also necessary for that reason and I and I I was like many other you know many other women that I've met since since my first experience I've had this constructed idea that um I wanted that there I had I had clear ideas about composition sound and um I I knew what I wanted but and because of that and or the story that I was telling myself is that because I had this very clear idea and I wanted something that in my mind was quite complex I was like I'm, I'm, I if I start producing I'm gonna be shit and it's gonna be I'm gonna only be able to execute really simple stuff and the simple stuff are not really enticing for me to want to sing on it so mm. I should just refer to people um, who have more experience so that we can be at the level that I want to, that I imagine in my head. And so that was the story. You know, everyone has a story, but we all, a lot of, a lot of us have, and less and less, but still, you know, stories about how, how it's not for us or how we can't do it. And, and, and the, the way that it happened was an accident, really. I had no intention. I wasn't. I. I didn't. I didn't. I. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I just went. I. I went to uh, Guadeloupe with my my best friend Emily, and um, she. I had started singing in my basement, and she, at the same time she had started um, to make music on GarageBand, and I was just kind of going in circles I, I it was like a very you know the beginning of me making music was a very lonely and isolated time where I had mm. I had made the decision I, I, I knew I had to t I owed that to myself to to commit but I also didn't know where to start I didn't I didn't have I was I didn't have any musician friends I didn't I didn't I just I had no idea how to start um, and it's a really it's important to talk about this because I feel like I don't know I feel like when we rewrite our histories we're just like and this happened and that happened but it's like no but how did it actually happen you know how do you go from you know not doing it to doing it um, and you know some people have known this for uh, from a really young age and have surrounded themselves and so it just flows naturally but also it's not always the case and it just really wasn't for for me um and basically my 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 girlfriend was like just seeing the despair and the solitude and she was like i, I think that instead of you know sending stuff to people randomly on the internet we should i'm gonna produce your I'm going to produce songs for you and then you're going to be able to show the world what it is that you want to do, you know, and then you're mm -hmm. going to, there's going to be a basis for the conversations you're trying to have. So this is, this was the premise of the trip was that she was going to produce and that I was going to sing. And, okay. um, yeah. And then when we got there, we just, 
yeah, it just, it was, it was, it was on Pro Tools. <laughs> it was like a really old version of Pro Tools because we were staying with this uh, old, older Zook producer who had a stu studio. Literally, I don't think he had stepped foot in that studio since the 80s because he was obsessed with making techno on his iPad. And the, <laughs> and the, the studio was like dusty as fuck. And pro I don't remember which <laughs> version of Pro Tools it was, but it was like very, you know, and also no one really makes produces on Pro Tools. Pro, Pro Tools is amazing for tracking and mixing and mm. it's a, it's not a very intuitive um, way of making music. So we, you know, we, I think sh we were kind of expecting some kind of help or support from him or technical support at least to, to like get us or at least get my friend over the hump. And when we got there, it, it just became really it just became clear quickly that the way that he was thinking about music was so different than what it was that we wanted to make that we couldn't that we would we would just get into fights with him about like structure and like he was like where is your fucking baseline we're like we don't we don't want to start with a baseline or we don't actually we might not want to you know we were just we were just much more free i think in a way and he had his ways of making music and so we would just get into into it with him so at some point we just like threw him out locked the door um i mean bless him he was he was you know he he i mean he he let us stay in his house he let us use his studio there was nothing like bad about it but it was just it just was incompatible in like the the creativity part and we just we just locked ourselves down and then we just started figuring out Pro Tools and um, and I and we would take turns because she was going crazy so we j I just I just got my hands dirty kind of by by having no other choice and you know I I I always say that the psychological hump is so much bigger than the technical one um, mm. and um, I know yeah I just I, I know how the psychological I, how, I know the stories we can tell ourselves on I don't know, to why we can't do it or why it's whatever but um, the truth of the matter is that it's um, it's not that deep and the <laughs> and the the hurdle is the hurdle is 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 fine it's just like a bad month you know what I mean but um mm. Uh, or a difficult month or, uh, because obviously you have you kind of you have this you have this gap and I think that's also where the frustration is you have this gap between the things that you the imagine and the, and the and the pace that you can execute them and the, so that's kind of like that's that's the hurdle at the beginning but it's um, I think it's yeah, I think it's more intimidating than what it actually is. So, mm. what are some of the ways you'd say you've evolved the music production side of your practice um, since then? Like, what's your process these days for getting down a sketch of an idea? Um. Well, it depends because I, 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 you know, I have different many hats. At the moment, and I'm, I've always, I've always wanted that, and it's happening. I'm really grateful. I, I have 
you know, my new record is coming out in September, but I'm also like working on like remixes for other artists. I'm producing for other artists. I'm doing like executive produce producing for other artists. So I'm scoring films. Like it's it's um there's a huge range of practices. Um and so I can't really answer that question because it, it really depends on what the project is and so that the process would would differ a lot depending on what the thing is that I'm working on for the record mm. you know for the record I completely went off the grid I wanted to do something um, 360 degree different in the process from the last record so it you know the last record was really detailed and and composed to <laughs> to the bone like um, and con con controlled, I would say, to the bone. Um, and I wanted to free the process completely from the grid, from the computer, from control. So, uh, like, it, the new record started, you know, in the room with musicians. And it was kind of like an another process where after, after we had, you know, made the music, then I went and produced the record and turned them into... Um, songs and you know kind of try to arrange them but but I also had much less uh, room to do so because it was all live and that's kind of what I wanted that's a very different process than how I would score a film or so it, it, it really depends and that's that's kind of I don't I don't want to have a process I don't want to have a way that I do things I, I, I find that um, I don't like comfort <laughs> I don't like habits and I don't like comfort. So I, 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 I need to shake it up. And that's also why it's so cool to be able to have so many different practices so that mm. you can keep evolving and pushing. How much of a role does visualizing your music play in your practice overall? Like, do you see the visual accompaniment to a track as an extension that like adds to the music or is it another facet of the work? Um, I, I mostly see them hand, hand to hand, hand on hand, hand yeah, with hand. hand. Okay. Hand in hand. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not, there, I don't, there's no, there's no particular order. Sometimes the vision, sometimes the world is there before the sound. Um, sometimes the world is the extension of the sound It it, it, it depends, but it, you know, I I've always said that I don't I I don't describe myself necessarily as um. Or it's not true. I I just I don't define myself by being a musician. I define the pra my practice as being a communicator, um, and maybe a town crier, and so it takes the shape of music. But you know, I I'm also starting to work on. Uh, a couple of well, I, I mean, I have been directing, but I'm 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 starting to to work on a couple of projects that are like longer, um, like short films and um, like longer longer formats. Um, and I I've always known that I will be also a director, and that that the communication will also happen through film and through food and through many many things so it, it there's no um 
it's kind of like a practice as a whole of someone who's trying to find all the other orphans of the world but in that in that communication can come through many things i, I don't i don't really see the visual thing as like just an extension of the music it's it's like um part of the same practice i would say yeah was there a particular visual or just a piece of film or something that you saw that um made you feel like directing would be a part of what you ent- eventually end up um creating I mean, many. You, are you asking me what my favorite film is, or because I, I mean, it's I, I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 am I, I watch more movies than I listen to music. I don't listen. I don't listen to music really too much. I make it, um, and I, I might be the musician who's listened to the least music that I know of. Wow. Um, and you know, in some ways, it's. I don't know. It's good and bad, or so it doesn't. It does doesn't matter to be qualified like that. But I, th- I think, I think sometimes it makes it more uh, difficult, and sometimes it's also a very free. It, I'm also more free than other people mm. who know a lot. And um, but it just is what it is. That's been the trajectory. The reason why I've been able to be unapologetic about my how I make it or what I make or how it sounds is is also because um, I haven't listened to a lot of music in my life. I don't listen to music every day, for example, mm. at all. I listen to music when something's brought to my attention and I spend, you know, obsess, spend an obsessive amount of time on like one song that I discover, you know. But I do it almost as a... It affects me a lot. It's 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 hard for me to listen to music casually, <laughs> like it's not like easy listening or like I don't have Spotify. You know, it's not like on when I'm like cooking and I love silence. And then when mm. I do listen to something, it's a intention. With the, yeah, I'm present. I'm present. I'm taking notes. I'm thinking about it. I'm uh, inspired by it. So it's you know and yeah. And so because of that, I'm very wary about what comes in my ears. I don't, Mm. it's not, um, I don't have an everyday relationship to it at all. No. What do you love about silence? Um, Just, (laughs) I think that um, music could be a distraction. It's not, I don't know what I love about silence. It's just that music could be a distraction and I don't like to use music as a distraction. Mm. Um, I like to be with it and I think that what I I don't know I don't know if I love silence particularly I just I'm not afraid of it I would say I think a lot of people are scared of it because of the because then you're really on your own and by yourself and then you think and I think that a lot of you know music or relationships with music is also made to suppress that and I that's not just that's just not my relationship with music well i'd like to hear more about your new lp kind of in depth so it's called the fifth season named after sci-fi books Mm -hmm. 
what was it about that series of books that really spoke to you? Um, I'm obsessed with world building. I'm obsessed with world building in every, you know, in movies, in um, in music, in books. Um, and I think that she's just doing such an insane, I've, I've, I've rarely seen that. But I think that the, the, the relationship with the book is not that I've read the book. I mean, that happened to me before but that's just not what happened here mm. um the order of events is that i was reading this book while i was making this record and um somehow i guess i didn't realize until after i finished the record about how they got intertwined and it mm. was brought it was brought to my attention with uh you at the end um that it was literally this a song about um, one of the characters in the book, and I I feel like it's 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 not a literal relationship here. It's not like I, mm. I it's not like I read it and I was like oh I really love the book I want to make a record on uh, about the book. It was they were just happening at the same time and they infiltrated each other in ways that I thought were quite magical. And um, I also feel like I, 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 titles are really fucking hard. <laughs> I mm. mean, I feel like you either have a title for a record before you start it, but if you don't, to find, you know, it's the same, yeah, name or an album cover. It's like you have to find this like quintessential thing that just, in, you know, invites people, but but is also like kind of saying it all or like it, it's... it's uh, I find it quite contrived most of the time. It's it's not an easy process. Mm. Um, and I thought that the fifth season was such a beautiful entry door. It was like a door. And it's also kind of like augmented reality because it's like, it's not a crazy name, you know? It's uh, So it's not a crazy name about like another planet. It's like there are four seasons. So when you say the fifth season, it's just slightly outside of reality and a lot of people don't necessarily like get it right away actually and I, I love that you know it's like it it creeps in you it's like but then yeah. and, and 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 it also calls to all your senses it's like what's the temperature during the f fifth season what what do we eat during the fifth season what's the light is there more light is there less light um how do we dress how do we you know it, it, like what do we do it, it it just opens um i just find it i just find it inviting um in the imaginary i just i i think it's like a beautiful entry door as a, as a title and then you know i've i've been you know interested in geology for um a long time and i i it's like a it's like a whole story about um yeah the earth um stones Uh, lava like it's all it's kind of all in the world of my sounds like it, it was it was like a perfect um I don't know it just felt like this whole record fell into place in ways that I'm I'm, I'm I have said you know it, the, the thing that's really strange and I don't want to push that t too much but I also need to talk about it is that I finished the record in December um and 
the fifth season is coronavirus, literally. I mean, in the book, mm. it's like this season that happens that people have to figure out how to survive on like a world scale. Um, and I've said since the beginning of the record, like, you know, when I started working on it um, and when I finished it, I've said I have not chose to make this record. It just came through me. And it's a very different process than Ancestor Boy, which was all about like, you know, like in the content, of course, but also... Um, just like the way that I pushed that record onto the world, it was just my will, my story, my words, my it was me. It was all about mm. me. And uh and this record was I literally just felt like a funnel to something that just it just chose me. It had it had to go through me. I just uh let it happen. And I really felt that. And and then after it was done and during the <laughs> during the process it's it's all these things that just fell into places and pieces it's I, I don't I don't know why I was you know this book came out like five years ago I don't know why I was reading it now I don't know why it, there, there's it just fell into place in ways that I find this whole record quite preminor like um it it and it, it, it announced something that is happening in the world right now and um mm. and i've i've said that it wasn't me and i say it again even more now you know it's like i haven't you know it's like i just released a song called don't despair two weeks ago you know it has a whole special meaning and it was done you know in october <laughs> mm. um the timing the timing of this record is it's just right on time and it's not and i take no credit for that it just um i just the only credit I can take is that I said yes for it mm. to come through me. That's it. <laughs> you mentioned Don't Despair, um, which is a cover of a Beverly Glenn Copeland track. Yes. What does his music mean to you? Um, his music, yeah, I discovered his music not too long time ago, maybe two years ago. And I... I've been thinking since the last record, I've been thinking about joy in music. Mm. And I find that it's a really hard emotion to find in ways that it that are not corny. <laughs> we can also define corny, but like in ways that I find profound and contagious and um, complex also. Um, and I feel like Glenn's music is kind of like it just it 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 occupies a very specific um place in the maps of emotions or something and it's it um it's enchanted it's enchanted music and I find it really hard to find that in ways that are genuine and not like swallowing Xanax you know to mm. be like happy like it's not you know uh it's 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 enchanted and um i felt like really i felt like less alone when i discovered his music i felt like i, I even if you know in the genre or whatever like it doesn't we don't sound the same in a 
literal way i feel very connected to him and i feel like mm. i'm uh yeah a direct um link what moved you to um make a cover and to include it on this lp well i i yeah covers are really weird i feel like it's this, it's what it's the same thing cover you don't i don't i've never chose a cover to be honest i feel like they come my way and it's just an like i've never covered a well i know it's not true i did the ace of bass one but that, yeah i did the cover of ace of bass um years ago that was kind of like a childhood uh nod but apart that one i feel like um i don't know i covered scott walker i i feel like covers are they just come there's just this song that comes your way and it probably i don't know it's it's the time for it to come back through you because i've mm. i've never i've apart that one i've never covered songs where i was like i'm i'm so obsessed with this song and i've always wanted to cover it's like no like they're always like new songs that i've never heard before that i didn't grow up with and i hear them and it's just immediate and obvious because i could have i just feel like it's 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 very special when you feel like you could have written something or you could have said those things or you could have said it like that or it's a melody that is in your repertoire I, f I feel like that's a very unique um emotion when it intersects like that and when i heard don't despair I, it was like i knew i had to sing the melody and if you know the original like mine is like much more it's much slower uh it's i, I would say the brightness and the enchantment is is a bit buried under the doom like it's it's definitely there it's just i feel mm -hmm. like in 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 glenn's um version it's kind of like up front um and i knew how to make it mine like right away after like two takes you know um so i don't i don't feel like i've decided much it just it the song came my way and it was like oh, obviously i'm this it's my i it, mm. i could make it mine and i actually um played it live for like almost two years it was like my opener to a lot of my sets before the record and then when the rec the project of the record came along it just became obvious that i had needed a recorded version of it let's hear a bit more about the musicians that you worked with yes um so we've got the song that you mentioned a little while ago you at the end mm -hmm. um we're hearing like tuba mm -hmm some percussion in there mm -hmm. keyboard what else uh it's too bad trombone it's like i trombone. call i called the record chamber pop music um okay. it's like too bad trombone percussions and keyboard mm. um and it's it's a really yeah it's it's amazing to you know after after making music from like an uh, infinite amount of choice you know um because you have i don't know unlimited supplies of <laughs> plugins and stuff um i think that having a such a reduced i mean i i think that the palette in ancestor boy was also reduced but i it was a different process because i had to reduce it from like the thousands and bazillions choices that you have when you make electronic music mm. um but this was just the reduction was like de facto and i and 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 it was just like a set palette right away 
Um, and I, I really love that. It goes with the world building. It just pulls you in right away, I think. Interesting that you mentioned like reduction because mm. the, um, the, the music that mm. accompanies your voice still mm-hmm. puts your voice in this kind of like vast, like big space. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you know that, you know, that combination of instruments would um, equate to that setting? Mm. Mm, well, we, we had a session at the BBC, the four of us, Valentina, Theon and Nathaniel. It was like this radio show that the BBC does where they put two artists who've never played together um, together for a day and then they let them improvise and then they choose 20 minutes of that improv to play it on the radio. And for that session, they invited two people that knew each other with two people who didn't. And Valentina invited me to be her uh, date for the day with the Nathaniel and Theon who are brothers and af- and we were kind of all I don't know something happened during that session where we were like oh it, this doesn't sound like anything and we're very excited about what that possibility is um, so we kind of had a trial session that made us all very curious to carry on um, and that's it I just insisted that we meet again in like a bigger capacity, like more days and do a lock in. And I, I didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't know, no, but we had an intuition that it was something. Um, and I think what, what's really amazing with, I don't know, making music in this way is that even if you have, even if it's like less eventful in a way, maybe than when you have like, uh, more structures and then you have like your, you know, the, 808 kicks in and then you have like it I don't know how to say it it's it, it's like a different kind of temporality when you when you're improvising like it's like mm. you have times where like almost nothing is happening but everything is living all the time it's moving all the time it's transforming all the time in ways that are it's kind of the same thing than being aware of like a different species around you it's like well if you start looking and listening you pay attention to like the little ants uh or in the corner of your living room or like the whatever doing their thing and i feel like that record is is like the other species that are just like living right you know behind your ears and they just and they keep um stretching and evolving but it's like a maybe less spectacular ways that i'm used to which is i was really interested in that Mm. and then the lyrics for that track Mm. um Tell me a bit more about the Kate Tempest poem and mm. specifically what captured your imagination in that poem. I mean, it was it was like the rest of the record. It just it just it just came my way. I was I was on tour with her um, and I was at the merch table one night looking at her show and just flipping through her books. And um, and then my and then I just my I just had. Yeah, I just my eyes stopped during that one and I read it and I, and I just felt like I could have written that you know it just mm. sounded like or I wish I had or I could you know I, I just felt like um that it had to that it could have been yeah that it had to come through me I don't know how, to, how else to say it but um I I yeah I closed the book and then I kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it and then I uh wrote to to them and I was like hey 
I can't stop thinking about your poem. What do you think? Can I try and... I don't know, can I try? <laughs> and uh, they were really great, graceful about it and uh, they said that they would be honored and they just let me do my stuff with it. I, I you know, I, I, I had to rearrange it there there are there are some things in the original poem that i i that i felt like were not me or that i couldn't that couldn't come through me that i had to put on the side and i just kind of mm -hmm. rebuilt my own story within their story um and yeah it's really it's really bizarre because it's it's <laughs> because uh they never they never read the fifth season right <laughs> and um You know, N.K. Jemison. I don't know if they know about um, Kate, um, Kate Kate's work. So, so there is there is no, no connection, no direct connection there. But then, um, after I finished the song and like with the sentences that I chose and the things that I'm choosing to repeat and stuff, and I, I played it to my partner, and they were like, "But do you understand that this is literally?" about you know this is the song about this character in the book like <laughs> this is this is this is them this is the song about them and i was like whoa it all but you know th so the, the whole record it, it just kept there was and it was all happening at the same time it's like the 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 reading the book like uh listening to um Uh, the Lily Boulanger track, uh, meeting Lala. It's, it, it all came together in such a effortless way that it, that is the reason why I'm like it's. It had it just chose me, and mm. and I'm I'm really honored that I could, I could. Let's hear more about working with Lala. Yeah, um, is that the is that the last track on the record? That's um, right. Did you write in French for the first time? Yeah. I did. What was that like as an experience? Weird. It's weird. Mm -hmm. I never, I never thought I, I, well, not never, but I've, I've never done it. I find um, um, writing in French really fun, actually. French is really playful. Um, I don't know. I feel like the playground is much bigger than in English. English mm. is very direct, and we also love that for that reason. But um, I feel like there's much more like ways of saying something and images and it's it's more of a playground. Um, but you also have to find your your way of using a language when you haven't. It's just it's not enough to be like I speak French or I was born in France. You know, it's like it's the, inside of that. You also have to find your own. I don't know signature or your own way of putting stuff in music also French is not a really musical language as I'm sure you know um so singing I mean talking in French is fine that's why you know French rap is like one of the best I, I think it's like the best rap in the world for that reason mm -hmm. it sounds amazing in the um combination with the, with the playground and the way that the French language sounds is brilliant but if you think about it you there there hasn't been so much like melodic Uh, melodic I don't know contributions from French music and that's why it's it's because the language is, is not really calling for that so I, it was quite intimidating to to do it but it same it came um, during a session during one of the sessions we were having improvising and 
um, the sentence that I'm keep saying in the in the song, which um, it just came. I was singing it, and that also never happened to me. I never, I never. When I improvise melodies, I don't really have words coming. It's it's t things that happen in two separate times for me. And for this one, it just that line and the melody and the words, it all came together. And I kept repeating that. And then, yeah, and then I was like, I thought it had to be, um, it took me a minute, but then I was like, no, I, this is a duet. It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that alone. I'm saying that to someone and they're going to answer to me. It's like, it's about a, the end of a friendship between two girls. Um, my last question yeah. is, how do you see this record accompanying or soundtracking your listeners' lives in 2020 and the years to come? Like, mm. what kind of settings do you imagine your listeners taking mm. this music in, if you, um, mm. if you even imagine that at all? Mm. Mm. I, I honestly, I've, I've said it before, all of this, and so I can say it again. I feel like it's the record of the day after the end of the world um mm. and i've said that when i finished it back in december um and i very much think that we are experiencing the end of something as we knew it um and so i just i feel like it's gonna be a good companion for because it's it it has a softness to it it's soft it's definitely the softest i've ever been um it's um there's bright there's brightness in it there's light there's also the part of going through shit <laughs> and um mm, coming on the other side um and so i i imagine it as a caress i think i think as a caress that can be invigorating or that can be also encouraging for you know, the day after the day after <laughs> the end of mm. the world. Um, so I think, yeah, when I was imagining Ancestor Boy, I was I would always say that I think that it's a record that people would listen to when they're in, in movement, like kind of like going from point A to point B, whether it's literally or figuratively. I, I feel like it's mm. like a, it's it takes you where you want to be in life but it's like related to movement like if you have to if you're going to like a meeting to like get a raise from your boss or something like you know when you're like want to go get something um and when you're in walking or in the car like it's, it was related to movement this one I, I i i don't think so i think that this one is uh when you when you it's um it's the it's the first and the last thing i think that that you would want to listen to in a day. She wasn't 
She was ridiculous Born too smart and too dumb She